0: This is Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers, by writers and readers. Hello, and welcome to Dissecting Dragons. I'm Madeleine Vaughan.
1: And I'm Jules Ironside. This week, there is none so capable as Anne. Why we shouldn't underestimate gentle characters.
0: So this week is brought to you by Jules getting annoyed by something again.
1: Again. I mean, <laughs> you, to be fair, you guys get a lot of mileage out of me being annoyed at stuff, so
0: Oh yeah, I'm not complaining. Should... <laughs>
1: um, yeah, to be honest, this is one where I fully admit that I set myself up for being annoyed because while I tried to go in with an open mind, mm. um, and I tried to be objective. I can't say a 100% did achieve that and I knew that I was probably going to hate this. Yeah. The minute I looked at it and what I did was I took a little look at the Netflix adaptation of Persuasion. Um, I was right. I did hate it.
0: <laughs> yeah. The thing is like um, I, I remember seeing sort of the ads for it and things like that and being uh, already feeling a bit, oh no, um and i knew you wouldn't like it already um for several things but there was one thing very much in particular that i knew was gonna be was gonna really hit the point for you because you obviously have a real thing for kind characters and gentle characters um you know they're some of your favorites um in in the books that you write and, and in fiction i found you know like with nick for in unveiled um so i knew immediately you were going to hate this interpretation of anne
1: yeah i mean i think my problem is that it wasn't an interpretation because it just wasn't that character at all yeah uh, but we'll get into that um but I thought if I'm gonna talk about this I need to have at least seen some of it because I can't really talk about it just based on you know having seen um, other people's opinions and stuff I'm not gonna form my opinion on that but I I did watch about half of it and then gave up because I'm not gonna do this to myself And I will admit that part of the problem is Persuasion is my favourite Jane Austen novel. Yeah. So yeah, it was already it was already starting at disadvantage. Even if it had done a decent adaptation and it had been done by someone who clearly understood the book, it was starting at disadvantage because it was my favourite. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I am willing to grant leeway on that basis and say maybe it just wasn't for me because it's never going to match what's in my head. But no, this was kind of like, oh shit, you had no idea what you were adapting.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, this isn't anyway. This this episode is not just about um, persuasion, although I am going to talk about it because I was really pissed <laughs> off. Um, this is about gentle characters anyway because I don't think they really get talked about enough and certainly when they come to be adapted for film or TV series they tend to get really shafted and I want to see that stop happening
0: <laughs> um, so yeah we we'll have a little, little discussion about that today yeah absolutely okay so let's start off by actually saying what is a gentle character yeah um
1: I mean these things are just it's this a loose list of qualities but and you know that there are going to be variances based on genre and style and who are, who wrote it etc yeah um but generally a gentle character tends to be far more introvert than extrovert. now when we say introvert we don't mean somebody who doesn't like people we just mean someone who doesn't get their energy from hanging out with lots of people
0: mm. you know you yeah.
1: not jiving off the crowd the way an extrovert is
0: yeah it, um, it really is about kind of recharge basically some people recharge by being social with others and and some people recharge by having alone time and they need that alone time um it's this weird idea though that introverts you're like oh introverts therefore can't be loud or can't be hyperactive or they can't be you know really engaged uh with people like no introverts can have friends and can go out and have a good time and can be chatty as anything um but they just they also need that time to be alone um and they do you know it 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 feeds into their battery they have like a battery life for for kind of social interactions and then they need to recharge
1: and it is actually a need this is not a case of okay for some reason someone's flipped a switch and now you're being a bitch because there are too many people around this is a case of no you actually need that time and if people start impinging on that time then yes you can turn into a bit of a bitch speaking from experience here yeah um i, I genuinely i can go to something i can go to a social function and i can be the absolute life and soul of the party if i want to but i then need time apart from people yeah afterwards yeah. And I genuinely do need it because I I do not recharge by being around other people. Yeah, and that's not to say I don't enjoy it when I'm there. It just means that I like my you know, basically. If I've bothered to fucking well turn up, that means that you got measured against the person whose company I enjoy the most, and that person is me. So it's kind of a compliment. <laughs> if yeah. <I'm> that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're someone that I regularly interact with. That's just the fucking gold star right there, baby. (laughs) Seriously.
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh. You've been measured against the
1: person whose company I can most stand, and that is myself. Yeah. Whereas I, I understand that there are a lot of extroverts who do genuinely get a recharge, they get bored by themselves, they get lonely by themselves. And there are some extroverts I think who genuinely cannot really spend a lot of time by themselves because they you know they, that's when they start to get anxious is when they're alone
0: yeah so um,
1: yeah it takes all sorts It doesn't yeah. mean that an introvert is, is naturally an anxious nervous person because that's just not true. yeah so, it, it yeah, also doesn't mean from that.
0: yeah it also doesn't mean that extroverts can't also sometimes need some time to themselves as well um, or that introverts can't get lonely and want company. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, although some
1: of us just don't.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 Obviously, and, and obviously, there's different levels of it. But you know, it, most human beings, if you you know, shut them off in co- fo- uh, sort of confinement, they would lose their minds. You know, solitary confinement would 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 not. We are at our core kind of social animals. You know there would be a limit for every single person um, but yeah anyway so um, with a gentle character they do tend to be far more introverted than extroverted um, the next thing is that their character arc tends to be largely internal so most points of change happen internally rather than externally in the plot so it's a lot of emotional growth um, it's a lot of kind of building of the self it can sometimes be to do with self-confidence it can be to do with um, sort of grief or 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 overcoming kind of difficulties but it is very internal rather than um, heavily external that obviously doesn't mean that external events aren't happening but the core is the change that's happening within them
1: yeah, it's um, they tend to be a bit more introspective. Weirdly enough, uh, Captain Marvel is technically a gentler character, yeah. despite being super overpowered. Um, if you look at her character arc and her internal character journey and everything, and her own personal doubts and things, all of that fits a gentler character arc.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh, so. So yeah. Um. Quite often, they're marked by being um, extraordinarily kind, compassionate, and they often have a maturity of thought. This isn't every single gentle character, but certainly the vast majority of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Next, they don't tend to give in to displays of temper or passionate outbursts, which means that when one occurs, the character has been pushed past their limits and it's usually a really important moment in the plot for them
1: yeah yeah definitely it's kind of a you you have a a louder character if you like or Mm. someone who's a bit more thoughtless and they're more like to fly off the handle or say well i don't see why you can't do this and get annoyed or uh, and then be fine again five minutes later they're much more up and down emotionally whereas a gentler character tends to be quite level until they hit the sticking point yeah. Push them past the point of no return.
0: Yeah, and then they I was about to say they explode, but I can't say that the year. and then they literally blow up. Uh yeah. Um and it's also actually that tends to be, as as said, kind of the critical point, the turning point, um where everything's, you know, been simmering and the pot boils over. Uh, and it tends to also get, it's, it tends to be very satisfying to watch or to read as well because you get everybody else's reactions because they're like, oh god <laughs> was oh, not gracious. expecting and, that I mean,
1: excellent <laughs> excellent example, Jane Eyre at certain points in Jane generally it's very introspective and mm. the change and everything all happens internally and she's very observant and she's kind and she's good natured etc Yeah. but you push her past the point where she's like this is really unjust and it turns into a major turning point in the plot of the novel. So, for example, at the very beginning, the thing that actually makes her aunt, Mrs. Reed, send her off to school is Jane standing up to her when she's 10 years old and saying, I'm, I'm not deceitful, I'm not a liar, you've just basically ruined my character in front of that man. Um, yeah. You're bad, hard hearted, and deceitful. She takes her up like she's an adult herself and really frightens her aunt. Yeah. And then later on, it, another pivot point in, in the book is obviously when Mr. Rochester sort of like, oh, yes, I shall be marrying Blanche Ingram. And he pokes at Jane and pokes her and pokes her until Jane turns round and says, well, you know, if I had much wealth and some beauty, I'd make it as hard for you to leave me as it is for me to leave you. And again yeah. it, it's the pivot point because mr rochester then sort of says well actually i want to marry you and he's kind of a git at that point let's be honest yeah. and yeah, it's the absolutely. same all the way through the big turning points in her character arc are always when she's been pushed past the point of endurance and she has to turn around to tell these stupid people what they should be doing
0: yeah it's quite funny because um it makes me think of the runaway bride i don't know if you've ever seen that movie yeah um now you wouldn't think and it's been a long time since i've seen it but there's always a scene that sticks in my head um where you wouldn't think of her as a gentle character um but the whole point is that she keeps changing herself to fit with the new people that she's with and then in, in literally at the final moment it gets too much she will run away so uh, she's sort of she's kind of the whole time she has been changing herself to fit with what people want her to be and just kind of putting up with things um, because she's lonely etc um, but also because she kind of feels like everyone's kind of watching her yeah. and then there's this great moment where she uh, uh, during the, the sort of the wedding speeches of her of her most recent sorry during this, the rehearsal speeches of her most recent one uh, everyone's making a toast and they're kind of making fun of her you know like may the pitter patter of feet not be Maggie's etc I think her name's Maggie um, and the guy who's kind of fallen for her stands up and goes yes and may all of you have your noses Rubbed in the mistakes that you've made um, and she gets really angry with him at first uh, because she's basically saying you know why are you doing this because he's disrupting the status the status quo on her behalf and then later on there's this yeah. fantastic scene where her par- where her father is kind of teasing her saying oh we've got all these wedding gifts we're thinking of starting a museum and she turns around and says actually this is really insulting um it's not funny it actually really hurts me um and it's a very small confrontation, but it, for me it was a great moment because it was something had changed, something had shifted. There was this, um, everything had filled up to the extent where actually she stood up for herself in a way that she hadn't done up until that point. Because she hadn't really been standing up for herself before, she'd just been running away. Yeah. So, um, So yeah, it's an interesting so- version of it. So yeah, it's
1: this internal character arc which they will then themselves interrupt at certain points and that usually heralds a big physical external change as well. Yes. Um, Yeah, uh, okay. Other things uh, often, but not always they seem to be more reticent about physical feats of prowess or athleticism. This doesn't mean they don't enjoy sports or running or whatever, but they Mm -hmm. tend to go for more um, quiet pursuits or they're not really looking to be Like world class athletes or anything this is kind of like oh this is just something i do to relax or i do martial arts because it's a sensible thing to do kind of thing Mm.
0: yeah absolutely or i
1: do what i need to do to um in, in, in order to be fit enough to do my job
0: yeah absolutely um floor wise uh, because they do have flaws, obviously, they often have difficulty advocating for themselves and may even have very low self esteem uh They tend to put other people first, often to their detriment, um, and they may get walked all over until forced to stand up for themselves Now, this is also important because this doesn't mean when you 're putting other people first um this doesn't the gentle character can actually sometimes hurt people in the process. Um, you know, for example, uh, basically saying, well I want to be with with such and such person, but um, my whole family is saying uh, I can't leave because they rely on me, so I'm going to let that person down and I'm going to hurt them by leaving them. Or, I'm actually going to run away from a situation because there's no easy way out and I can't deal with the confrontation. So, I'm just going to abandon someone instead. Um, so, there are ways in which, in literally trying to basically uh, meet everyone else's expectations, they will also hurt other people. Um, they can and in some ways, that can also be kind of a thoughtlessness about them because they have essentially decided they know what other people want or what's better for other people um, because they haven't because they haven't considered their own worth. So they don't really think of themselves as worthy of other people, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, a, a healthy ego, um, and that's not to. See- but I think people hear the word ego and they think I'm talking about arrogance or someone who's really self-involved. Yeah. No, an ego is just your sense of self. Yeah. Um, and a healthy ego means that you will value yourself and occasionally there will be a healthy dose of selfishness and putting yourself first, which you should do occasionally. If you do it all the time, you're an asshole. Mm. If you don't do it at all, then you're kind of just fading into the background. And that's not good for anybody, um, as I'll get into with an example later on. Mm. Uh, but yeah you but it's really difficult if for some reason your upbringing or whatever else has made you into a people pleaser. Mm. It can be really difficult to even know what you want. almost impossible at times in fact, and that's something you have to work really hard to recover. so that can also be an aspect as well. Um, okay, the other the final thing is that gentle characters tend to be underestimated, uh, which makes them perfect for certain plot twists. Um, For example, nobody would have expected Bella Swan to survive as many vampire attacks and (laughs) werewolves as she did, just by being as she is. But the fact is, she has got this core of courage and this sense of justice, so she will always ultimately do what she thinks is right even to the point of insanity at times Yeah, um, and, and she's not actually stupid she makes some stupid choices because she's a teenage girl but she's not stupid and she does this, this sort of ability to be very mature for her age and, and what have you uh, means that she can quite often see a situation a lot more clearly than other people can and a lot of that feeds into her survival <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely other examples um i know you're not a big fan of of this book jules but book three of uh the accord thorns and roses series we have elaine who is obviously a gentle character throughout um but she is the one who actually stabs the high king in the end um yeah uh, And this basically comes from the fact that she has been, everyone has kind of assumed she's kind of a little bit useless, Um, she's timid, Uh, so no one really, they've kind of used her as as a hostage in certain situations, Um, but ultimately she loves her sisters and when it comes to it no one expects her no one really considers her no one was even keeping an eye on her which was why she was actually able to make such a big move because she'd essentially been forgotten about yeah
1: um definitely
0: so yeah so i i do love it when (laughs) yeah there's that plot twist which is ha ha
1: (laughs) no one was looking at me yeah (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, that kind of brings us on to persuasion and why it matters if the characters change. Yes. And um, I'm gonna just do a mini rant about this, and Madeline's yeah. gonna ring me in if I start really foaming at the mouth. Hopefully. <laughs> um, but the reason I'm gonna do a mini rant is because this is an example of how not to completely butcher uh, a gentle character. Mm. They've been written that way for a particular reason, and you probably shouldn't. Um, Okay, so persuasion is the one that people seem to be least familiar with, so I will just quickly say what it's about. But basically it's a brilliant witty and sometimes scathing, no in fact often scathing, look at class distinction and filial duty. Mm. Um, Its end message is that there's no certainty but that you can take a chance based on reasoned examination of the facts and make your own family. So really, it, it has ultimately got this very uplifting message. But people look at Anne Elliot, the main character, and think, "Oh, she's a pushover. She's obviously a pushover. Mm-hmm. She was in love with Wentworth back when she was sort of nineteen years old." Mm-hmm. And Lady Russell, who has, who was probably the strongest example of a parent figure mm-hmm. she had, because her father is absolutely fucking useless, yeah. um, persuaded her not to get married to him because at the time Wentworth wasn't a captain of anything. He didn't have a fortune at best it would have been a long engagement while he made his fortune at worst she might have ended up um you know (laughs) married to a man who was extremely poor Mm. um and she you know had a she had a a smallish dowry of her own and uh, lady russell's also kind of like you're 19 years old you haven't really seen very much of the world Mm. yet So she reluctantly rejects his suit and says she can't marry him. Wentworth is extremely hurt by this and sort of disappears off to sea. Uh, (laughs) Which is
0: such a thing. It's like, then I shall go to sea. It's such a Regency thing. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I mean, he was going to go to sea but he went to sea with a broken heart to make something of himself. Um... yeah, and seven years later, um, Anne's family fortunes have degenerated some somewhat because her father has speculated with money unwisely. Mm-hmm. Um, her father—brilliant description by Austen—vanity was the beginning and end of his character. We get no more description of the guy than that. Yeah, <laughs> but he's that terrible. Um, and her younger sister, who is almost as bad as her father, and Anne is just basically a, a dog's body. Um and she never ever found anybody else that she's even liked as much as she liked Wentworth. Yeah. And she's certainly never fallen for anyone else. And now people are making comments about the fact that, you know, she's lost her youth and her bloom kind of thing. Yeah. Um now that she's twenty six. <laughs> Good God, twenty six. Um And then Wentworth comes back, insultingly healthy, captain of his own ship. Yeah. Uh, a decent competency plenty of money and he's looking to settle down and marry yeah he wants a family he wants children he's always wanted that but now he can have mm-hmm. it um and he doesn't look at anne because anne hurt him
0: yeah
1: and anne unfortunately overheard overhears him say things like i should never have recognized her she's so very much changed yeah um, and it's it's really painful because unbeknownst to each other they've each been yearning each for each other for the last seven years yeah and they've just waited which a lot of people get pissed off about the fact that two characters might wait because the time wasn't right yeah but i think there are times when actually that works obviously i think that
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah
1: anyway um the whole book is kind of known as the austin novel where nothing happens um But generally that's because the book has totally flown over certain people's heads, in my opinion. Mm. Um, There isn't a lot of external journey. There isn't a lot of going to and fro places. There's no dramatic younger sibling eloping and going off with the local rake or anything like that. Um, It's an internal heroine's journey. And it's all about looking back on something that was a mistake, but wasn't necessarily a mistake in the sense of you did the wrong thing at the time, the way you approached the thing was perhaps the wrong way to Mm -hmm. do it. Um, And, you know, when they sorted it all out at the end, Anne kind of says to Wentworth, I can't honestly say that my friend persuading me not to marry you when I was only 19 years old and didn't really know any better was the wrong thing for her to do. And I'm not sure I was wrong in agreeing with her at that time. Mm. But obviously, she never ever stopped loving him and he never stopped loving her either. Um, and he can kind of see her point as well. So, you know, the, if you like, but the, the problem with the new adaptation is they turned Anne Elliot into this, this day-drinking Lush who is a quirky, not like the other girls, snark best, mm. Um who actually says at one point, now we're worse than strangers, we're exes. I mean, what they did with the dialogue it's just it beggars belief it really mm. does and I think I genuinely think you can take something that's historical and or something that is you know a piece of literature from 200 years ago and you can alter the dialogue so that the modern audience can understand it without having to revert to a dictionary
0: yeah
1: Um, but I don't think you have to lose the tone of the time yeah I, I really don't think you need to do that the thing is and if you you were going to just do no no go on If you were just going to do a modern reimagining of something why not genuinely make it a modern reimagining rather than oh we're just going to wear whatever clothes we like from roughly this hundred year period era Mm. and talk like i don't know we've just come off of tumblr
0: yeah and this is the interesting thing because um Obviously they were, they were trying to do basically Fleabag, and I watched Fleabag, I really did enjoy it. Um, it's a great show, it's very, very interesting. But the fact of the matter is, is that that was not the character of Anne. Um, now, no. I fully believe that you can look at classic novels and things like that, and actually say, actually some of the way that adaptation, that this character has been adapted, um, I don't agree with let's do something a little bit different for example uh the robert downey jr sherlock holmes i really love those sherlock Holmeses. um i think they're great i i yeah. think the that version of sherlock holmes is incredibly interesting yes he's very different to what you get in the books but actually it's more like certain aspects of him are enhanced because the sherlock holmes in the books if you read it that way it can be very much an action story he's an eccentric he does go around doing odd and <laughs> strange things um and he is he's very yeah. capable when it comes to fighting and stuff like that so um but then they changed the and whole tone of it like you know
1: a fan fiction yeah it's almost like it's a fan fiction version of it it's a, it's a proper reimagining it's not just a we're doing this yeah. and we think what the author meant to say i think that's the thing that really insults mm. me is what they're doing with this adaptation is we think what jane austen meant to say and i'm pretty damn sure that jane austen was cleverer than everybody involved in the making of that combined Um, she said what she meant to say yeah
0: absolutely because at the end of the day this version of um this version of persuasion kind of has lost the heart of the story whereas i think with the you know the sherlock holmes and stuff like that there's the heart of heart of it is still there and in some respects they actually got everything else very very accurate like the fact that they said yeah okay let's talk about the fact that watson is meant to be a heartthrob he's popular with the ladies and stuff like that and they went ahead and they did that um you know it's like the the jeremy brett version as well they did a great job with that um and we can both say yes these are interesting adaptations it stands on its own two feet this version of persuasion and i will admit i haven't watched it i've just seen clips of it um it stands on its own two feet in terms of being an adaptation, uh, sorry, in terms of being a series, but it's not really an adaptation. um, Because yes, they've kept some of the names, they've kept some of the ideas, but they've completely missed the heart of the story. And they've kind of just, I don't know, it doesn't work for me because they have butchered the main characters and I think perhaps one of the reasons that it's really affected you, Jules, and certainly that I know that it's really affected me, is that essentially it's kind of declared that having a gentle character is boring, or that gentle people are boring and that their story isn't worth listening to. They've had to make this Anne edgy instead of saying, actually, she wasn't edgy, she was Thoughtful and sweet and kind, um, and also, and, and level. Level. she was
1: the person everyone turned to when anything went yeah, wrong,
0: absolutely.
1: So, yeah, you know, she was that she was genuinely the capable one out of everybody, including Captain Wentworth, who had sailed through several storms at sea and yet didn't know what to do when um, someone suffered a head, head injury, and yet, and somehow kept everyone together yeah
0: absolutely
1: Uh, i i don't know it's one of those things it's the the meek character who generally wouldn't necessarily say anything or order anyone to do anything and then when everyone else is losing their heads they're like you do this you do this you do this you get that person Mm -hmm. you run to fetch a doctor and everybody just snaps to obey them because they're you know, they're right. They're making sense. Someone's taking command. Yeah.
0: Another thing I very much liked about Anne was that she made some really strong friendships. Actually, throughout the book, you know, she connects with people, and people, uh, you know, she makes new friends as well, which I think helps. She makes new acquaintances, um, and she forms these attachments with people who kind of look at her and suddenly go, um. I would have overlooked you but actually you are an incredibly capable and kind and wonderful person um, and people suddenly find themselves attracted to her in that very quiet way she doesn't immediately grab people's attention but once she has kind of been acquainted with them they find that she's incredibly reliable and and she builds these real friendships with that I think
1: yeah definitely and to be honest the plot revolves around that quiet gentle nature mm-hmm. and her willingness to extend compassion to everyone even when other people walk over yeah. her because i think the thing is she sees why some people act weak and silly and she kind of quietly pities them for it and tries to make their lives a bit easier because she understands in the way that a lot of people who've had plenty of time to 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 really grow compassion mm. that Someone who is weak and silly and selfish is actually far more of a burden and a hindrance to themselves in many ways, yeah. and actually, they're kind of their own worst punishment, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, um, anyway, by the time the declarations of you know, I'd never stopped loving you, or rather, the only claim that I would make for my sex, and it is not one that you need, um, envy, I assure you is that of loving still when all hope is gone. Yeah. i paraphrase slightly there. And people might think that's a cool declaration, but coming from Anne, who has been level, 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 all the way through, and yet underneath an absolute maelstrom of, oh God, I've got to watch him marry this friend of mine, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm still in love with him. Um, that was, you know, amazingly powerful and, and poignant thing to say. And that's the thing, saying things in a more restrained manner rather than having make people having people make grand declarations. Yeah. Um is actually I think it gives them more weight in the long run. It obviously depends on the character and whether it suits yeah. them. Um but certainly with these characters, when they speak unguardedly like that, it it's got so much more weight because of all the restraint that's come before. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. Yeah. So
1: yes, they spoke to the I obviously didn't see the second half of the, the film. The, um, they spunked that up against the wall in the first half with having her meeting Wentworth in the lane and having an argument about their past.
0: Yeah. So. Well, I think this yeah. is the thing: is yeah. that people, uh, it, and it's uh, something to do a lot with kind of film adaptations, uh, particularly if you have kind of. um Uh, TV adaptations, you tend to be able to work it a little bit better, but anything that moves onto the screen, obviously, you've got to really consider the visual and the audio components, Um, and one way, and particularly in the West, there's this terrible fear of making things boring, um, because you can't see the internal things, so this tends to translate into confrontation so they have to create a greater sense of confrontation now you can create confrontation without it being shouting and arguing and stuff like that um it's just much harder and there is always the risk that people are going to find it boring and frankly there are lots of people who do find period dramas boring and period adaptations very boring. So I understand that. They were obviously, with this version, trying to make it more mainstream, um, kind of riding off of both Fleabag and Bridgerton. Um, but the problem is that in doing so, you know, a lot of classic fans have basically said, hold on a second, you've removed the subtlety and actually the build-up of what's happening with these characters. Um, and the fact that yes they are both you know incredibly sad he's angry with her in a lot of ways um she's regretful but also you know trying to be supportive um but they both still love each other and ultimately their feelings for one another are incredibly tender and it and passion doesn't have to be grabbing one another in a passionate kiss in that moment Tenderness is very, very beautiful and yearning, you know, is very dramatic as well, but it, it's hard to translate and I think they basically took a bit of a shortcut with it.
1: Yeah, um that yeah, they shortcutted the bit where the book actually existed and um, read it <laughs> before that adapted it for a screenplay. That that was the shortcut they took, and I feel that was a mistake. This is, I think this is the problem You get a big, well-known production of something mm-hmm. um, And, you know, they did the same thing with Terry Pratchett The Watch, etc mm-hmm. Where what people really want to do Is they want easy access to an existing audience yeah. In this case, they want easy access to the Jane Austen audience Which has been going strong for 200 years And is still going strong yes. um, And it's growing And what they did in order to get that Was take the names from the character of of the characters from the book Mm -hmm. and the title and do their own thing when they would have been better to go we're going to do our own thing inspired by this time period Yes. Uh, we already had a brilliant modern retelling of Persuasion, it's called Bridget Jones and the Edge of Reason by the way in case anyone's interested not that the film was fantastic but the book very much is, the book is very much based on Persuasion just like the first book is based on Pride and Prejudice Okay, Um, so yeah a quick look a balanced perspective when it comes to the screen as Madeline's already started saying it's very difficult to translate an internal journey to the screen Mm -hmm. it can be done it just means you need to slow the fuck down and you know if, um, if basically people are kind of saying period dramas are boring well actually they're not the people you're making it for so don't stress it yeah yeah um, not that there there aren't some period dramas where even I've gone, what the hell have you done? There's there's no plot, nothing's happening at mm-hmm. all, and if even I'm saying nothing's happening, then literally nothing <laughs> is happening. Because I will sit and watch that until the cows come home. But seriously, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, Hollywood hates gentle characters because they have an internal journey. Um, however instead of being innovative I mean take it as a challenge this is a chance to do something really different but instead of doing that um, many directors producers and screenwriters resort to the facile and incorrect decision to just change the character which as Madeline has pointed out removes the heart of the story yeah. so it's not actually the story that you said you were telling so that's technically false advertising mm. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, this is supposed to be a balanced perspective.
0: Do you want to add some balance <laughs> <laughs> Again, I will say that obviously when they were creating this version of Persuasion, um, they were not advertising it as a true adaptation. Um, they were very clearly from the get-go putting forward this idea that this is like a flea bag version of it. They were clearly kind of tailoring towards Bridgerton sort of fans, where people kind of want the the atmosphere of Regency, um, but they want. A modern story if that makes sense so they took some of the story beats and they changed that and that's actually all right you are allowed to do that Um, you are allowed to have an adaptation which does do these kinds of things Um, what counts as a successful adaptation will vary from person to person for me a successful adaptation can actually have a lot of changes, but needs to be true to the heart of the story and it needs to stand on its own. Um, Now, some people could say, actually this version of Persuasion is true to the heart of the story. I would disagree, but I do know that there are people who have enjoyed it and people who watched it for a bit of a lark and one of the nice things is that there is the potential that this could actually introduce some people who were up until this point fairly indifferent about Jane Austen to Jane Austen. They might sort of, it it, it might serve as a bit of a slope for people to go, actually, I want to see a little bit more of that and then to find some of the classics instead. So in terms of balance... the trouble (laughs) is i've i've
1: heard that oh it will introduce people to jane austen argument and i have to say i think that's bollocks because it's so untrue to jane austen that anyone who then tries to read jane austen having seen that is going to be like completely spun and disappointed
0: yeah but they might actually but it might be the opposite they might be like oh this is even better
1: yeah see if anybody genuinely does go that route I want to hear from you also if anyone really thinks this is true to the heart of the story can you get in touch with me because we need to have a long chat (laughs) anyway (laughs) back to the whole gentle character in Hollywood thing which was what I really was talking about Mm -hmm. with balance Um, a gentle character can be passionate and driven and dynamic as well as a a less gentle character they just do it in a completely different way to a more extroverted character and I think that's the problem you don't necessarily have a gentle character drawing their sword and going well i will charge the beast kind of thing they're far more likely to be sort of like well okay i'll take a sword but maybe i'll just sneak around the back Hmm. you know (laughs) it's not yeah but there's a value in people who who sneak around the back as as well as the ones who go charging headstrong headlong into battle without a thought
0: yeah i think at the moment gentle characters do tend to be relegated to being the sidekicks um, or side characters, uh, which again speaks a lot for the fact that in a lot of things, Jules' favourite characters tend to be the side characters. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, you. Y- yeah,
1: um, I'm glad you said about them being relegated to being side characters because mm. this brings up the point that is another thing that really bugs me in general, mm-hmm. and that is. Male gentle characters. Male gentle characters are never ever allowed to be the romantic lead in fucking anything. No,
0: I know. It's always got to be assertive and fucks the hell out of me.
1: I'm so well. Okay, we won't go into the whole alpha whole thing, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) this is an issue. This is why when people get annoyed with me about certain decisions I've made and why things are taking so long it's taking so long because that's who I've got as a main love interest and that is how long that will take
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've got nothing to add Martin here i because...
1: thoroughly cowed in case she rouses the beast once <laughs>
0: <laughs> no I mean I don't disagree with you um I you know me I have a real thing for characters who are just kind um, yeah so I just think kindness is is understated um, and I think so this is one of the things then is that um, as an introvert there isn't anything which is quite as painful or annoying as seeing a favourite character who is completely butchered by a screenwriter, who clearly doesn't understand the character or the plot, or worse, did understand and decided that it wasn't good enough. Um, that hurts, actually. Yeah, I think that's the thing. <laughs> I'd rather they didn't understand than to be like, nah, but we got it, but it was really boring. I like... Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then why don't you it's like why don't you make something else yeah it, it I think it bugs the hell out of me and in fairness I have to say the whole persuasion thing is coming on top of a sack of other things uh, other poor adaptations of things mm. where they've done similar stuff yeah um in different genres where I'm just yeah again not going to get into it but it's a war of attrition and I'm like can you please stop? Pillaging my my childhood, my teens, my twenties, and just go and write some original shit of your own. That that's kind of how I'm feeling about a lot of it. <laughs> so yes, I I re- appreciate it's kind of a stupid thing in some ways to be offended by, and yet offended I am. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I think particularly as well if it's a book which is very close to your heart, or if it's character who you've kind of really found strong associations with um that that hurts a lot in particular i think
1: yeah definitely um although yes as we've said it we appreciate it's harder to show an introverted character on screen because they're less given to outbursts more likely to act sensibly and often wiser than their years. so yes we understand we just want you to be innovative with yeah. it,
0: i guess Now, how can you actually be innovative for it? So let's actually talk about how you can write a gentle character. We will focus mostly on writing prose, but of course this can, you know, bleed into script writing as well and things like that. Um, And you can also be innovative with the way you're writing gentle characters and prose too. So um, writers, do have an easier job portraying a gentle character um assuming they understand a more introvent introverted perspective now this is fortunate because quite a lot of writers are introverted it's just by nature yes. because you've kind of got to be You're writing you spend a lot of time alone
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i met an extroverted writer online the other day and it was kind of like I didn't want to say anything in the sense of I didn't want to say, oh my god, I've seen a real unicorn, but I did kind of feel like that. And they seemed lovely. Lovely person. They were kind of like, okay, I've written for two hours now I need to go out and see people. I'm like, really? <laughs> You've written for two hours and you need to go and see people? <laughs> I don't understand. Tell me, Explain. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's like <laughs> meeting, I mean, we had a good meeting an extroverted writer who doesn't have mental health issues of some kind um i (laughs) do they exist yes they do of course they do but for the most part yes a lot of writers just like a lot of creatives um particularly you know uh, sort of people that uh, creative arts that involve being alone for long periods of time um do tend to be introverts and certainly um that will give you an advantage when it comes to writing an introverted character though of course as we said there are lots of extroverts who are writers as well they're just a little bit rarer
1: yeah now you can write from the gentle character's perspective so that's one way of doing it so for example persuasion is pretty much firmly well i mean it's third person omniscient but most of the the close pov we get we get from Anne's perspective yeah. um there's also twilight again there is a lot of hate for bella mm. um and some of it was to do with oh it's not fashionable to like twilight so many people like it but ignoring that mm. a lot of people were saying bella didn't have a personality and i'm like did you actually read the books because She's quietly, quite snarky, and yet she always does what she thinks is best. And she's, you know, kind and supportive to everybody else. And what what you mean is by her not having a lot of personality is the fact that she's actually got quite low self esteem. And for some reason, that bothers you, which suggests to me that maybe you've got low self esteem and you don't want to admit
0: it. Yeah, I think, and we've talked about it before. Twilight is a co- is yeah. a complicated one, and I think the other thing is, of course, that it's written for teenagers. Um, and for some reason people are trying to measure it up against massive classics instead of saying no this is a book which was written during a certain period um for a certain group of people um and it's fantasy it's escapism it's not supposed to be the
1: infinite jest you yeah
0: know? absolutely and yes there are problems with it we've discussed those in the past but uh, the the fact of the matter is it's just it's a it's a book <laughs> it's it's not meant yeah. to be the be all and end all uh, you also then have I Capture the Castle
1: Yeah, well. by Dodie Smith, mm. which is it's one of it's written almost like it's a memoir mm-hmm. and it's one of my favourite books and it's um, I'm trying to, it's awful because she, it's in first person perspective and it's I, I actually can't remember the name of the main character but she and her sister Rose are uh, the daughters of a famous writer, he wrote something really amazing mm. and, you know, really took off great literary success he bought a castle and they all went to live there and then his wife died and he got massive writer's block and he couldn't write he couldn't write and they got poorer and poorer and poorer and they're stuck with this crumbling castle um and it it's sort of set in sort of around 1925 1930 something like that before the second world war anyway and It's how the two sisters deal with this, because the younger of the two sisters, she's just coming up 18. She's quite, you know, she's good natured, but she is quite introverted. Um, She's very fond of her family and her sisters, etc. Uh, There's a local boy who's quite into her, but she's kind of like, I'm not really ready for all that yet. Um, Whereas her sister is so desperate to get out of this trap their father has created for them. Um, she's willing to marry someone she doesn't even like in order to have a more comfortable lifestyle mm-hmm. and stop worrying about money. Yeah. Um, and it's just the most amazing coming-of-age story. I strongly suggest that people either read it or watch the film. The film is very, very good. It's got Romola Garay in it and obviously anything she turns up in tends to be really good. <laughs> she tends to pick good scripts. Um, So, so yeah, great first-person perspective, gentler character. And it's the contrast between how she acts a lot of the time, which is to be level, to be the responsible one, to the, the one who makes sure that the younger children get fed, etc. And on the inside, this seething ball of of early early womanhood, sort of ready to go out there and fall in love herself, etc. And the increasing resentment against her sister. Yeah um yeah it's it's a really interesting juxtaposition i think it's probably dodie smith's best work mm. um sorry for all the 101 dalmatian fans out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i do think it's better yeah,
0: absolutely um we also have uh for graphic novels or things like that um the series Heartstopper, which was recently obviously also put into as a netflix adaptation um gentle both of the main characters i would say are gentle main characters um it's a really lovely teen romance it's an lgbt romance um and the two main characters are basically just kind of figuring things out um they're both trying to accommodate their own families their own lives um they're both very kind and very gentle and very sweet and also kind of uh very kind of introspective in a lot of ways uh so you can do it and i would say that that has been a a huge success as well as a series um so you can absolutely do it um in ways where it's not you know uh, boring uh, in ways that has good pace and humor um and makes people feel quite fluttery i think is definitely the way (laughs) and emotional as well yeah
1: definitely yeah uh, okay so other things you can do you can include a gentle character as part of a large ensemble mm-hmm. cast um, this is especially effective since they add balance to the louder characters mm-hmm. so for example Frodo and Sam in Lord of the Rings yeah. who end up obviously being the being the heroes of the piece yeah. in many ways um, but also Inej in Six of Crows now I realise that she's a highly competent assassin yes. <laughs> but she's still a gentler character it doesn't matter what she does career wise she's the one who she's not given to dramatic outbursts or declarations she tends to hold everything quite close and act in a you know quite a level way mm. and some of the things she's had to deal with in her life her, her her entire life has been this type of rope walk and she's always kept her balance yeah so which makes her whole situation with Kaz really quite interesting i think
0: yeah i completely agree um you also, I think you get touches of the sort of the gentle character in Naomi Novik's books uh, Spinning yeah. Silver obviously um, is a big one where I would actually say that pretty much all three of the main uh, of, of the of the cast um, are are kind of gentle characters in some respect um, yeah, but,
1: especially the Tsarina yeah, the
0: Tsarina I was going to say um, you know, she's very introspective and the thing is people kind of interpret her as cold you know but she's not yeah. she's very sensible she's um you know she's got a great sense of perspective um and she's not prone to outbursts or things like that um miriam as well is not prone to out to outbursts she's a very sort of active obviously within the plot um and she is very thoughtful and considered as well um so yeah i i think you can you can have gentle characters who are still assertive in some respects um but not i would say miriam is probably a little bit too assertive to be considered a gentle character um but yeah certainly um you can you can kind of find a mix because the Tsarina is assertive in different ways but she's also um you know in the same way that anne is it's basically when people when you know that the chips fall she's the one who says do this do that and she can be relied upon in that respect yeah absolutely
1: other things you can do you can have your slightly more dynamic point of view character appreciate the qualities in a gentle character and try to gently draw that person out Mm. Um,
0: I I mean (laughs) this is a perfect example of this is obviously Amy with Steve in, in Harker and Blackthorn
1: yeah and I wouldn't say I was necessarily thinking in those terms when I wrote mm. it, I just knew that their personality because Amy's quite bubbly and you know she starts off at least quite quite carefree and enthusiastic about everything that's different and curious, she's not really a gentle character but she's also not a, an edgy character either um, whereas Steve has just yeah, poor Steve <laughs> sort of shut himself away from the world um, because he doesn't that on some level, he doesn't fundamentally think he deserves company. Yeah, and yet, who is the person that all of them can always rely on? It's Steve, who's the person who always acts in 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 the right way or will always do the right thing. It's Steve every single time. Yeah, and when he has an outburst, it is literally because I've just spent four books putting him through the ring <laughs> He's had enough yeah actually usually it's because Amy's life's in danger <laughs> and she's kind of like I'm fine <laughs> it's like
0: no temper tantrum yeah um, I, that is the thing um, and what's actually kind of funny is that uh, it, with the way that you've written Steve you Steve kind of sees himself in the way that Hollywood sees gentle characters <laughs> yes Um, (laughs) boring, only useful to sort of cart out to bring out some facts every now and again, mockable um, you know not not classically attractive in any shape or form Um, and one of the things I've actually really liked is how Amy every now and again just goes, oh my god, this guy's amazing Um, you know and every now and again when you see he's like a little turtle you just see him coming out of his shell <laughs> just like little tortoise like i'm gonna share my interests i'm gonna share my interests oh i'm gonna get really excited and then someone will sort of make a snipe at him and he goes Whoop, back into his little shell again and you're like no come out um but he is and i think he's a perfect example of a gentle character who works very very well as a supporting character um, but doesn't just feel like a stepping stone if that makes sense he 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 is a foundational member he is a main character the whole of the story and the whole of harker and blackthorne doesn't work without him he's he, he's a yeah. linchpin character essentially um, i mean they're all linchpins it doesn't work without any of them uh but you know what i mean is that he he is as, as essential to the story um as the others are even though he is a much more gentle character
1: yeah definitely um and i i think most people who listen to this have probably got to the stage where they're like oh is steve the main love interest well <laughs> at the moment yes obviously. Um, i'm not going to promise anything for the, it's me come on <laughs> but but yeah and i think part of that was this thing where i'm so fucking sick of Having no male, gentle characters being allowed to step forward into the spotlight, yeah. not not ever being, or they've either got to be much older so they're out of the question as mm-hmm. a love interest, as a mental character, maybe, but not as a love interest,
0: yeah,
1: or the character has got to be the main character has got to be completely gay and you know, completely never would consider a man kind of thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um. Or they're just kind of like, yeah, well, you're friend-zoned, you're always friend-zoned. And I'm like, why? Why why would you pick the good-looking arsehole over there instead of this person here? It doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I will say that one thing that people sort of did in the past was that they created fake gentle characters. uh whenever they were kind of doing they were sort of creating that oh nice guy kind of narrative where it's like oh you've got that nice gentle character in the background and every now and again he was actually a gentle character so there have been situations um, god I cannot remember what the movie is called now it was a very silly kind of rom-com which was basically about these two best friends who both uh, were going to get married around the same time um, and uh, they're, you know, they're best friends they want to be bridesmaids at each other's weddings um, they want to get married in the same place and everything was going according to plan and they both went to the same wedding planner but unfortunately what's happened is that they're both going to be getting married at the same place but on the same day Yeah. and suddenly they're in competition with one another because they've got who's going to be at which, at whose wedding who's going to, you know uh, and they kind of end up fighting. And throughout, one of them is getting married to someone and she's she is a gentle character. She's very much a people pleaser. She's going to wear her mother's wedding dress because she feels like that would make her mother happy. And it's only afterwards that her mother's like, okay, but I want you to be happy. You know, is this actually the wedding dress that you want to wear? Um, and she's you know she's kind of marrying this person who doesn't really know her um doesn't really understand sort of her, her wilder side or anything like that and she's kind of repressed it and the story sort of ends with her um with one of them getting married and the other one basically actually calling off the marriage uh because the person that she was marrying wasn't actually didn't actually really know who she was and didn't really like who she was Um, and she was faking sort of to be with him trying to create this perfect narrative Um, and obviously the the core of the story is this friendship between these two girls who actually really care and throughout all of this one of the bride the bride who gets married her brother has been in love with this best friend For years and he's just a quietly supportive character the whole time like he goes with her to find her wedding dress and stuff like that and he's very clearly in love with her um and he is an actual gentle character he's very quiet he's helpful he's reliable um and in the end they do actually she ends up with him instead um, which is uh, which is very nice, but it, it's a it's a kind of a slow progress thing, um, and so I felt like yeah, actually, you people have done it, and you can do it very well, and it does appear. But for the most part, what you tend to get is he's the kind, gentle character. Um, but now, in order to get the girl, he must become the assertive, dominant character, um, and it's yeah. like you've essentially just changed who he is.
1: Yeah, you've pulled the grease. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, writing a gentle... This comes into the next point. Writing a gentle character doesn't mean giving them nothing important to do. It just means how they will tackle their tasks will be different. So that doesn't mean changing everything about them to become more assertive because we should all aim to be more extrovert. Um, Their gentle characters are unlikely to charge in guns blazing in a given situation. They will however most likely quietly walk to their deaths in the place of someone they love Mm -hmm. which is um yeah it's (laughs) it's quite terrifying really but it's you make that the 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 sort of person who would make that decision and then just do it
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um the next thing is that if you want to write found family um both of us strongly suggest that you include a gentle character because they really are the one who holds it all together um the gentle character in the sort of found family is sometimes the mum character or the dad character it doesn't have to be at all um but it's it's kind of like putting a football team together um you have 11 star players um and they won't play as well as a team because they will not be able to help competing with each other. Um, a few solid but unremarkable players who nonetheless get the job done make for a far better team. Um, you kind of need the glue. The gentle character is the glue. Um, they are the kind of the between, the mediator, um, and also they tend to be the surprising one. So the, the person who actually kind of actually gets everything done when it's needed. They are the reliable one. Um, And you get them if you look in mythology as well if you look in sort of most sort of stories which involve kind of a band of people you will have that gentle character who is for the most part unremarkable until they're not i think a really good example of this might be someone like in in the arthurian legends percival um tends to be relegated to being kind of a bit of a background character but then you know he's not one of the star players he's not lancelot he's not galahad he's not you know um sir Gwain and stuff like that he's uh he's quite a gentle character for the most part and then he kind of really steps up now this isn't a lot of adaptations we're not going to get into the actual myth because obviously that's a whole other kettle of fish because there's a million strands where they're all very different people um but you get it as well in robin hood you get it in pretty much every time there's an adaptation or every time there's a story where you have a found family there is a gentle character um and they actually tend to be the person that we all go okay but i'd actually really like to just get a hug from them or i'd actually just really like to to sit and have tea with them i feel like they'd have good advice for me (laughs) yeah
1: absolutely um Anyway, we were going to talk about our favourite gentle characters, but I think we've mentioned it all
0: of yeah. them already. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we have. As we were going along. Yeah.
1: Um, we've certainly given lots of examples. Yeah. So let's do a little bit about our own gentle characters before we, we sign off. Yeah.
0: Up. Okay. So, can I actually just start off by saying some of my favourite gentle characters in your books? Oh, please okay. do. Okay. <laughs> so, with Unveiled and Harker and Blackthorn, I think probably um my three favorite gentle characters are obviously steve um and i've got to admit um steve very much from harker and blackthorn i wasn't sure about him in unveiled as in i liked him but he he didn't stand out for me quite as much probably because he was playing turtle and he was being quite prickly like actually more like porcupine uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I really love him in Harker and Blackthorne. I love the way that he's written. Um, and my other big favourite from Harker and Blackthorne is Megan, um, who, and this is perfect for me because you've written both a, a gentle female character and a gentle male character, and neither of them are boring. Um, I think a lot of the times when some people try to write these characters because they just feel like, oh, we have got to have it. they They kind of get lazy with it. They don't really sort of sort of pad them as it were Um, they don't give them interesting stories Um, but I really love Megan she absolutely grew on me I know she grew on you because I I know you weren't she was kind of more, slightly more of a throwaway character and now she's really kind of asserted herself into the story and I really like that Um, and in Unveiled I really liked Nick he was a very small side character um, for the most part but he's just this wonderful presence, I think, particularly in the last book. He's very reliable and he's kind of just there in the background and that you've got Amy who's like, well, I can kind of rely on my big brothers. Uh, you know, she he, she's obviously got Kieran, um, who's a little bit emotionally unstable in the last book yeah. for various reasons. Uh, but Nick, Nick, who has been going through a lot of stuff as well, is just just a solid guy 100 percent, which is incredibly funny considering the first time they met him he was possessed by a serial killer
1: yeah i mean as you you do do. (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of a nice juxtaposition or i thought it was um yeah a lot of people have said they like nick he's kind of like a quiet fan favorite (laughs) Um, I, well I always liked him But I was always kind of like He's a great balance for grace And it, it's interesting to have someone Who's this nice Literally the nicest person in the world And have him possessed by this, this Terrible awful person Yeah, um, And forced into that awful situation I didn't realise How much other people were going to be sort of Like oh, I love Nick, is Nick going to get more, more Page time And I'm like um Eventually maybe, could happen um, with Megan, Megan was literally supposed to just turn up and be Eddie's girlfriend for like one book. Yeah, <laughs> this is when I started writing Lock and Key, mm. and she kind of forced her way in and was like, "No, I'm I'm staying, Um we're both staying because I like this." Yeah, and that was it. She just kept coming back and kept coming back, and she's actually turned out to be quite a few people's actual
0: complete favourite character. Yeah, um, and I can completely understand that. Um, what's interesting for me as well is that the gentle characters by their introduction have also in some ways created a gateway towards characters that I had trouble with so I did have some trouble with Grace Um, particularly in the first book I completely understood where she was coming from and obviously there is a a great sense of resolution for her in the first book and she improves as the books go on but I really really struggled with her um, because I found her to be very cruel Um, and we understand why Uh, but I didn't really like her very much as a person because she was obviously in so much pain um, and we were seeing a lot of things from Emmeline's point of view so we it felt very much like grace was attacking us and also i think because i was associating very heavily with him at the time i felt very attacked by grace um and nick very much i wouldn't say nick softens grace um but nick brings out the best in grace and i think grace brings out the best in in nick in that she kind of allows him to be a little bit more assertive she she allows him to kind of think about himself because she is the one who's going to you know <laughs> to give an example let's say they're at a restaurant you know um uh, and, and the wrong yeah say. the wrong food arrives nick would just eat it grace is the one who'd be like uh excuse me no this is the wrong food <laughs> you know yeah. um that's, that's so accurate I could cry. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's the same i think with megan and eddie in that i really struggled with eddie because i I found Eddie to be very self-centred and not a very good friend. And again, I understand why. Um, Eddie is a very complete character um, who's obviously gone through a lot um, and actually his friendship with Amy wasn't healthy and that was a two-way street in that Amy did indulge some of the worst habits of Eddie because of Amy's own reasons um, and that has actually... Put Eddie in a very bad position, whereas I think Megan, particularly in the latest books, the way Megan has been with Eddie, has actually really meant that we're starting to see better of Eddie. He's starting to become a better person, um, and also Megan as well is finding strength through Eddie too. Um, so it's a dynamic which really really works and i just don't think you could really get it with anyone else if that makes sense
1: yeah it's um the one thing that i very minor spoiler from the end of megan's novella Mm. is eddie kind of encapsulates it and he tells megan she's a powerhouse yeah And she sort of laughs off he's like no look you did this you did this you did this you think you don't stand up for yourself but just because you don't scream and shout and you do it quietly and politely it doesn't mean you're not asserting yourself yeah
0: absolutely you're you're a powerhouse absolutely i i really appreciated that part of of the novella because um because everything is done so quietly and we are seeing it from her point of view that we almost as readers can sometimes forget until suddenly it's sort of no it's everything is put into perspective and i thought that that worked very very well um so obviously that's from your kind of unveiled in harker and blackthorn series um i do obviously have to mention my boy cuthbert (laughs) when you were talking
1: earlier about you know feeling eviscerated when someone takes a beloved character and does something with them i was like yeah if somebody took cuthbert in the unlikely event they made the king's knight and they turned him into this six foot five strapping blonde good looking every girl wants him type of of um warrior who you know basically was once a blacksmith not an abused child a blacksmith in his own right who then follows gregory off to war and it's like yeah if somebody did that it would be kind of the same thing
0: yeah i completely agree um it's (laughs) i think with cuthbert as well in that obviously he does grow and he, he can be he can be assertive, but he is just sweet and gentle and kind and accommodating. Um, I really love him as a character. I just think that he has so much to offer. Um, it's quite funny. Um, I recommended The King's Knight to somebody, and they read it um, and enjoyed it. And I said, What did you think about Cuthbert? And they were like, Yeah, I, I guess he was. And I was like, <sighs> you put <laughs> on the chest <laughs> how, dare how dare like, like, didn't really stand out for me and I was like what <laughs> I wasn't I'm not gonna say he's the best thing about that book um, but like I don't know how anyone could read that book and not immediately be like Cuthbert my love <laughs> because he's just I love that boy
1: um it's kind of the best of both worlds yeah. because the people who Cuthbert was clearly written for, obviously you, and apparently there are quite a few other people out there
0: yeah.
1: uh, were kind of like, oh we love Cuthbert why didn't he get more to do in the third book and um, the people who he wasn't written for just go, yeah he's fine didn't really notice him to be honest yeah. didn't register with me <laughs> well okay well that's fine clearly that worked for everybody there,
0: didn't it <laughs> yeah
1: uh, um, okay what about you um and yours. well but it's difficult to know how much we can talk about yeah because really.
0: obviously i've got some things that i can't really talk about at the moment um i certainly have used gentle characters and i've got gentle characters in some of the things that i've written about that i can't talk about presently i think in terms of the stuff that has been created um it <laughs> obviously she's dead uh, but Mielene in the Sons of festian was very much a gentle character.
1: Um,
0: yeah. She was very much a gentle character. Uh, and in some respects, I'm actually kind of very sad that she's gone. Um, and one of the other Rossignol characters, uh, Rowan, who you will see in the third book, he's the little baby boy um, in the first book. He's also a very gentle character. Uh, very quiet, very unassuming, unlike his two sisters, uh, Annabelle and um, uh, and Luca, who are very much not gentle characters. <laughs> They're very assertive characters. Um, Joshua kind of is as Joshua well. Joshua kind of is, yes. He's a lot more thoughtful um, and a lot more accommodating, patient and quiet um certainly in comparison to the way that Jonathan was what's interesting is that Jonathan could have been a gentle character um but everything kind of got messed up for him and he fundamentally was changed um in a lot of respects uh, so the way that he developed because obviously some terrible things happened to him during some div- uh you know some very crucial years of his childhood um meant that he he isn't the character that he might have become Um, in terms of the kestrel saga um sammy is quite a gentle character um i also have other quite gentle characters in the form of marcus who people haven't really been properly introduced to yet. He's Sammy's mediator. You meet him at the end of the Kestrel Saga. Um, Obviously he's not been in the short, uh, sorry, at the end of the first book of the Kestrel Saga. Um, And there are a few more gentle characters. I would also say that in some respects Galahad is a little bit of a gentle character. he is not particularly demanding he does just kind of try and get on with things yes he is waving a huge sword around a lot of the time but he's not particularly confrontational which sounds like a, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> a, <laughs> a massive juxtaposition but it's true um but yeah i i unfortunately at the moment i can't really talk about the the actual proper gentle characters that i have written for some other stuff but hopefully sometime in the future i will be able to talk about that yes
1: we we will look forward to that yes
0: um For now though, um, I think we're kind of at the end of our episode. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Who are some of your favorite gentle characters in fiction? Um, What did you think of Persuasion, uh, this adaptation, if you have watched it? Uh, be prepared to spar with Jules with with the utmost respect.
1: I, I, I won't fight. No. I promise I won't fight.
0: Um, we do love to hear from you. Remember, you can get in touch with us via our Facebook, our Tumblr, or our Twitter, both individually or through the Dissecting Dragons pages. Um, before we go, it is time for our Dissecting Dragons recommendation of the week, though. Um, and Jules, I believe that you've got one for us.
1: Yes, um, uh, a while back. Alan and I went and saw The Lost City at the cinema it was kind of a spur of the moment thing to do when okay. we both had some time off and it was fantastic and then um, Alan kind of bought me the blu-ray for my birthday and we watched it again not not three months later Aww. and it was still fantastic it's so good it's kind of a a subversion of um, Indiana Jones meets Romancing the Stone okay and instead of the female character being all sort of like squeamish about bugs and things and and you know a lot needing a lot of saving and mm. screaming and et cetera, in this it's played by Sandra Bullock, and she's a romance novelist mm-hmm. or rather she, what she actually did was she was an archeolo- archaeological anthropologist right and she studied a very particular um now extinct um language at university together with her husband who was also an archaeologist Mm -hmm. and they were kind of they were looking for this lost city together Mm. um, just theoretically and when she found that nobody would publish her basically her non-fiction books she thought i know i'll write a romance novel it won't be hard to dash a few hundred thousand words off Mm -hmm. which is what she did and they turned into a huge huge hit to the point where She's kind of like, okay, well, I'll I'll keep I'll keep writing them. And they're paying the bills, and she becomes quite successful at it. But her real interest is this this language. Mm-hmm. Um, she loses her husband. He he don't, we come in at the beginning of the story, and he's died, and she's finding it impossible to continue writing this romance story about this this archaeologist couple who go on adventures together. Mm. Because of it. Um, it, it's really sad. It's not overstated. It's quite poignant meanwhile her agent is kind of like I would love to promote your new book as soon as I get a finished copy of the first draft it's kind of like yeah anyone who's written a book knows exactly how that feels yeah. <laughs> not necessarily with an agent but with somebody
0: yeah.
1: and she, she writes the last book and it's kind of left a bit hanging at the end mm-hmm. of it and she goes on a book tour and she's sent on the book tour with the man who is the cover model for her book and he is so enthusiastic about these books and the women who read the books love him they think he's amazing you know he's really great with them but he just annoys the hell out of this romance novelist (laughs) who is really a serious academic underneath and then what happens is she's Pissed off at this book tour, everything's gone wrong. She stormed out of the building, kicked a bin over, and then a car arrived. And she thinks it's for her because they say her, uh, they say her name. Mm-hmm. She gets in the car and then realizes she's in the car with like three armed men. Right. It's like hang on a minute, this isn't the right car, and she's being abducted because uh, this millionaire not the, not the heir apparent, but the younger brother of this huge wealthy family. Um, has taken an interest in the language that she was originally studying, right. having found it in one of her found it in her latest book, and he wants her to come with him because he's found the actual lost city, or at least he thinks he's found where it is mm-hmm. because he wants to find this tomb and this treasure. And she starts off thinking it's a joke, and then realizes that no, it's not. She ends up roofied and on a plane to this this tiny, insignificant island. <laughs> Hilarity ensues because her cover model, who looks super buff and like he should be an action hero, but actually has no clue about anything, and is not the smartest of people, decides he's going to rescue her. And then you realise that actually he's been kind of quietly in love with her the whole time. And he's determined he's going to go off into the jungle and rescue her. And it just... I don't want to spoilify people because it is just like two hours of absolute fantastic gold standard entertainment makes that
0: good okay that does sound fun so I'm definitely going to have to check that out thank you very much for that recommendation and on that note guys we'll say thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next week yeah thanks and
1: goodbye bye you've been listening to Dissecting Dragons the speculative fiction podcast you can follow our podcast at podbean.com or from iTunes. For more information, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash dissecting readers or check out our author websites at jayironside.com and madelinevaughn.com. Please note that no dragons were harmed during the making of this podcast.